mustache tails. Yeah! Hello, uh, and welcome. Look at to, us. Welcome to this next episode of Mustache Tales, my podcast with Hayes MacArthur. Hello, Hayes. Yo, we got Adam Rose on, Jay. Hey. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited. He's um he's sort of a famous internet, uh famous comedian, but an internet comedian too. And what's interesting to me now is that he can't seem to get his whole face into the frame. No? <laughs> I'm seeing my face in a frame. I'm framed so I'm nicely. I'm seeing the right... Listen, dude, nobody is watching this. <laughs> this is an audio <laughs> media. There's, there's, three, there's three people in the world that are visually concerned about it. But, Jay, you know, you're a film director, so you can, you can tell our guests how to center themselves in the I frame. I mean, that's one of, my, one of my go-tos with actors. I'm like, I love your face. I love what you're doing. Um can you keep your face so we can Just see it a dream. little more and not keep it out here? Yeah, you know, You're, this is we lit over here. <laughs> How am I doing right? Now? We didn't lit over here. You know what I mean? They this, say film. The the rule with film actors is you're good. Now, I don't Adam. agree with it. You're, you're supposed to have two eyes that the 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 screen. I don't know if you subscribe to this, but you need to see both the actors' eyes to in order to like have something happen. I think it's bullshit because. People hide in film all the time. Like it's cool to be in the corner cowering, like yeah, smoking a cigarette, like Mickey Rourke, and, yeah. and you don't know, <laughs> you don't yeah. see it. I think that's. I think it's you know, like if you, uh, I, 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 when you're in the edit of a film, which uh, you know, you end up judging takes as more uh, connecting and as better when you can when you can see eyes now if, if the character's meant to be hiding a little then you go the other way but but there's no doubt that as a human when you see those two eyes you're like oh that takes better um yeah i mean it's why editors cut around blinks and stuff because as soon as there's even a second of disconnect <laughs> yeah. people kind of check out uh that's a thing like do you ever see that michael kane acting video where he's like don't oh blink. yeah well oh, yeah. the, the yeah, the great example. This is an amazing video yeah. here. Or class. Yeah, don't or blink. Like, uh, because your eyes are closing for just that millisecond. The great example of that is um, King Longshanks in um, Braveheart. Uh, and, you know, this is a very important performance for the members of Broken Lizard because we are all convinced that he doesn't blink once in the movie. Um, is that. Wait, Longshanks? He's, that's not Brian Cox's character. No, that's uh, Uncle Argyle. Uncle um, Argyle, right. Longshanks is the evil king, um, and he's, you know, he's so British and so evil. And he, I don't, you know, we're, we've watched a movie a million times. No one's ever seen him play. Uh, and, and, and when I played a king in this movie, Quasi, the goal in the beginning was I wasn't going to blink. And and no broken blinker. lizard guys are like that takes suck because I saw you blink and I'm like oh, and it's 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 almost <laughs> impossible not to blink because your eyes get covered in dust and then tears start and I'm like I'm not gonna cry as the I'm not the crying king uh, right. in any case I blinked in the goddamn movie it's hard it's hard to it's hard to act when you're not blinking I mean cheers to Longshanks and Michael Caine but. 
<laughs> it's it's probably honestly it really is probably more uh the editors to thank right right they're probably um, cutting out those well but you know, right. you got to try when you're when you're doing that you got like these are long fucking takes where, where he's not blinking you're like it and it gets it just gets so fucking intense after a while you're like oh my god you know once you notice literally well, Michael Payne's school of acting. Yeah. Like, don't just, you know, if you have power, you don't blink. And if you're like a weak character, you're like, you know, yeah. bumbling and blinking. <laughs> he gave so much knowledge in in that. Like, they filmed an acting class in the 80s, and Michael Caine gave all the tricks away, like what you do with your voice, what you do with your eyes. He he showed you how to play drunk. Like he he just yeah. did everything. It's yeah. so good. And those clips still go viral all the time. I see them popping up on TikTok and Instagram constantly. Yeah, we yeah. did a scene. Uh, Hayes, you were in the scene in Super Troopers Two when uh, Rob Lowe is the mayor of the town and he introduces the Highway Patrol to the Canadians. Do you remember that, uh, Hayes? And you and yeah. uh, and uh, Sasso and Tyler Labine are smoking cigars in that line. And so Rob came into that scene. We had three cameras. So we had 11 people in the scene. So we had three different cameras going. And he comes up and he goes, where's my camera? And I'm like, I said, that one is the one that you should be playing most of it to. And he goes, got it. Let's go. And then he just was like, just, I mean, he played a little to this camera. But he's like firing like looking really close to whoever was standing next to that camera which was me in that case um and you're like yeah. oh yeah that's the those are the little tricks you kind of you get to pick up you know where, where you know you you learn how to how to really show your eyes uh uh no doubt you know it makes now i use those tricks and it makes people think that i'm actually a real actor which is that's a quite a yeah. trick itself <laughs> I love that you were directing and then also standing next to the camera that Rob Lowe would play to. What? Well, <laughs> don't think that was an accident. No, it was not. It was not because <laughs> then I could watch his performance with my shoulder here and kind of, you know, yeah. and try to stay in character. Like, you know, I did all that shit Jay, too. You, how often are you like watching playback when you're directing and you're in it? Um, I find it to be uh, a, a, an exercise of ego display that I cannot stomach. Uh, That's fair. I cannot stand like sitting there like, okay, give me the thing. And I sit there and watch it. I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's so good. Like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, I can't emotionally do it because Kevin Heffernan does it all the time. He, he, he was the director of Quasi. He was in, you know, from Broken Lizard. And he takes that monitor every time he's like, yeah, okay, we got it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, it, it's useful. But instead, what I do is, um, it's a, it's a Brian Cox told me, he goes, what you should do when you act in a movie is bracket the performance. So you start with like a real subtle kind of quiet. And you get a little louder in the next take and a little louder. And he goes, by the fifth take, you're screaming. And I'm like, I was like, oh, and he goes, and one of those five versions will be good. Um, and he goes, so I'm, you know, and so when you act in a movie, you got to do that to just do different versions in, in a bracket of all you think all of them could be good, but that's sort of the, uh, the concept. And so when I'm acting in a film, I just do it 
enough different ways and be like, hopefully something in there will be good. You know? Yeah. I need to get better about that. I think I get, I'm like, oh, well, that was really good. Let me try and do that again. Because if they're like doing some technical changes in between takes, like, I want to make sure they got what I did. Right. That and that's day. and that's um, where you have to trust uh, the DP to be like, yeah, I got it or I didn't get it. And if they don't get it, I can tell yeah. you these cameramen are like, oh, I didn't get it. You know, and yeah. then you redo it. But if you're if you're sitting there hammering away at the same performance over and over again, you're wasting opportunities to totally do something else. Try. Yeah. yeah. Experiment. Yeah. I find you stepping into the scene with other actors. That's who I'm playing to. And I'm just want them to know that I don't suck is like, that's <laughs> my motivation going in. So I usually do the first take like small and like a little mellow. So they don't think I like, go, oh, geez, where's this guy coming from? And then yeah. once we have a thing of trust and you know, they're like, Oh, he knows his lines and he can do this then I'll take chances. But the technical stuff, I'm not even thinking about because it's not... They'll tell you. It's yeah. It's not my I, control. I know. I need to I need to get out of the... I need to stop, like, watching from outside in and just experience myself. I mean, we used to <laughs> well, do that... So, go ahead. I mean, in, in the, our first movies, that's what we did. We'd do four identical fucking great takes, and then we'd move on. And then we'd look yeah. at it and be like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're, right. they're all no the same. Choice. No choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh this dovetails into how I know Adam Jay because we met during a multi-camera sitcom, which is a, you're essentially doing a, a play and you're not playing to any camera, you're doing it like uh you would do a stage play and and there's right. an audience and there's multiple cameras and I, you know, I was thinking about this, and this is kind of timely because Norman Lear just died a couple days ago. Yeah. And, yeah. like, just an incredible king all in the family, the Jefferson, Sanford and Son. And he was doing that at a time, I don't know, like, what was that, in the 70s or 80s? Where yeah. There were, like, three channels, and he was telling super socially conscious stories, and he was... He had the captive audience of America, racial stuff he tackled like head on. Those episodes and those the the premises of those shows were were groundbreaking in in yeah. a lot of ways, but for everyone watching them, and it feels, you know, like kind of regressive that that was happening already in our like zeitgeist, and then he was telling those stories, and and so Adam and I met. Um, doing a, 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 a one of these sitcoms, which is like every job I've ever had. I go into it and I go, this thing's going to be on for a million years. This is the <laughs> this is the one because the writing was so incredible. And I just rewatched it because I knew I was going to see you, Adam. And and yeah. I have a, a, a daughter and it was a, a kind of a family uh, sitcom. I mean, it was it had those elements, like I won't put it up there with with Norman Lear, but the Tucker Cowley, the guy who created it, was a writer for Everybody Loves Raymond. I know Tucker, and there were like, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, as as I was rewatching it, there's ten people in this cast, and they're all like in every episode, and it was one of those shows where you could give anyone the ball, and 
would be its own show. Like everyone was so good and so different and so specific. And it was anchored by Dennis Quaid. He was the patriarch of this family. And the cool part about the show was, um, so uh, it's called Mary Happy Whatever. That's where we met. And so like we're we're talking about, I want to talk about Adam's uh, online presence and all the the stuff he does with with videos and and his uh, format and his, this character, the way he's able to get capture so many people in it, but I met him as an actor, right? Like I didn't even yeah. know that he had this whole other career on the on the side that was making these videos, and that kind of came out halfway through it. But I did uh, to talk about the premise of the show, the show for a second. It was a Catholic family. Like Dennis Quaid has uh, a family; his wife died, and there's four. He's got four kids, and Adam marries into the family. And it's a Christmas show. So the family, it's like the lead up of the Christmas season. And one of the storylines, kind of Norman Lear-esque, is that Adam's Jewish. And Adam, you're Jewish in life too, right? So this is like a message. Whoa, (laughs) whoa. Yeah. Interesting. I don't don't do stretch work. (laughs) I don't do stretch work. I really, I, if, if, if the, Description doesn't say Jewish. I don't even. I don't even submit. You know, we're not going this for it. <laughs> well, the storyline. Uh, one of the many storylines of the show is Adam's an outlaw in the show. In terms of he's not part of the family. He's marrying into it, and it's about uh, this disapproving patriarch whose daughter is uh, it brought in this guy during Christmas and they're trying to decide you find out through the course of the show that the, they're pregnant and they're like how are they going to raise the kid so and so you know it's like the Quaid is like it's got to be Catholic right and Adam's like nah, not so fast like yeah <laughs> but through the course of the show um, you know you hang out with the cast and everyone was great uh, one of the actresses in the show uh, was wears a cross on her neck and we were talking, Adam, I don't even know. This is this is years ago. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but it, it really- Maybe, I, I don't remember know. It. Uh, so we started talking about religion because that was kind of part of the show. And she's like, uh, yeah, like I'm Christian. And we're like, oh yeah, okay. And she's like, but my, my mother's Jewish. And I kind of caught eyes, but do you remember this conversation? (laughs) And I caught eyes with Adam. And I know if your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish. You're Jewish. (laughs) Right. That's the rule. Yeah. It's the rule. (laughs) So we have this kind of like public forum with like a bunch of actors talking in between rehearsals and takes. And I look at Adam and I'm like, oh, she's Christian, but she's, she's really Jewish, right? And He's then we, we we take a break, and I see Adam and this girl like having a total sidebar. And I don't know now that you remember the conversation. I need to know what was happening. But Adam was well, kind of telling her like, "You're Jewish." She's like, no, "Yeah, I'm like not. she's like, but I'm not really Jewish." And then like later on, she would be like, "Oh God, my stomach is a little queasy." I'd be like, "You know why?" <laughs> Because you're Jewish, and we have weak stomachs. <laughs> what? Um, and so, still to this day, we're still really good friends, me and Ashley, and and uh, and I'm always having to remind her of her. <laughs> <laughs> and once I saw it through that prism, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <Jewish>. <laughs> yeah. It, 
but I I loved that show, and I think one of the great things in talking to you, Adam, is from everything that I've gotten to do, every job I've taken uh, one or two friends away from it. That's one of the great things about being in in the business and entertainment is. Yeah, the product, you know, you might it might come out great, it might not, but you get to yeah. have like it's like going to summer camp, right? Like totally. you meet good friends and then you stay in touch with them. So through the course of the show, I realized that Adam had this like alter ego, like or, or like a whole other sidebar of of he's a dancer, he 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 writes, he creates, but his persona online is it, like how did it start? The blue cardigan? <laughs> yeah. So the blue cardigan thing actually started uh, just after Mary Happy Whatever. So I had been um, dabbling on social media and kind of pursuing building an audience on there for years before Mary Happy Whatever, um, probably since like 2014, 2015, something like that. And, and that took various forms like, you know, making vlogs on YouTube and like, you know, making funny videos on Vine and then like, maybe I'm like a travel photographer. And I started like posting stuff like that. I think right before I did Mary Happy Whatever, I was really into like the aesthetic Instagram layout with like, you know, really beautiful shots with me in the middle, like looking off into the distance and like, and just no one cared. And, and it was, but was that, was that to supposed really cool. to be funny? No. Okay. Okay. Got it. No, got it. no. And, and, and I think, cause I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I get to, act in tv and uh, in movies and stuff and that's where i do my comedy but like i didn't really know what that would look like on okay. social media necessarily at the time and and so i was just kind of doing what was cool on instagram at the time which was like these beautiful vistas yeah and you know and the, the person like in posing. the middle looking real cool yeah posing and no one cared i think the only people who followed me and engaged with my stuff were people who were fans of like shows I'd been on, you know, Supernatural or Mary Happy or whatever. Um, or no, it, it was before Mary Happy Evgen came out. So whatever else. And then, and then right but you during, were, you were like, a child, you were a child actor. Like, yeah, I've been doing this since I was eight forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in New York. Um, and yeah, but you know, as a, as being an actor since I was eight, acting has always been like this for me you know like i am working a lot and then i'm not working and then i'm working and i'm you know mary happy was my first series regular ever after you know before that it was just you know guest stars recurring things like that and so that was a huge deal for me and i think it also like made me feel more comfortable with like oh well I, I'm I'm doing this TV show, so now I can like be a little more experimental on social media and kind of like be goofy and stuff like that. And that's when I started making comedy. Right at the same time, TikTok became way more popular. Right in 2019, and then in the beginning of 2020, I you know it was winter time. I was working on another show with Ashley called uh, Carol's Second Act on CBS. Um, right before the pandemic and I was starting to go hard on TikTok because I had like, you know, had a couple videos that got to like a hundred thousand views and I was like really excited about that. So I started using the sounds on TikTok and 
doing little dances and doing this. Well, and that's then, the thing because tick like dancing is your you're a, a great dancer. I would thank like, you. And, and TikTok um, is the is trained or freestyle dance. Uh, both. Uh, so I when I was twelve, I really wanted to be in a boy band. Couldn't dance. Started taking hip hop dance classes in New York City at Broadway Dance Center and just got hooked. And I started going three times a week and then I was going five times a week. And then I became my teacher's assistant. And then I started substituting for her by the time I was 16. And then I was teaching my own classes and it became a huge part of my life. Um, uh, up until I moved out to LA when I was 18, I was still dancing and teaching, but I sort of had to like pick a lane when it came to acting and dancing because it's you know dancing is like a a lifestyle and it affects the way you dress and the way you carry yourself yeah. and who you are and what you do and where you hang out and where you spend your time and i you know always felt more like an actor um would you say you have good dance? posture uh i can have good posture but in hip-hop it was all about like okay breaking down your posture okay, okay. you know my teacher would always be like you gotta be tired and hungry always uh -huh. like tired and hungry <laughs> that was that was her thing but, so was tiktok away because i felt it was like a look behind the curtain with dancers because the moves are tied to a phrase a lot of times like stirring the yeah. pot catching a cab and like it and you and you showed the way the sausage was made a little bit right like so the way so my first big viral video was a parody dance so i was basically taking my dance background and my comedy background and there was a dance move on tiktok that was in in every piece of trending dance which was uh the woe it was called right. the woe and it was just like every single dance had the woe at some point and that was what the is dance it what is it there. what does it look like it's like uh it's like uh i don't know uh -huh, that's it uh -huh, like, uh -huh. that's it yeah I, 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 I recognize that in, i recognize that it was in everything and so i was like okay i came up with this idea to create a dance called the alternative woe challenge so you know the flow, the crow, the no, right. the row, <laughs> the bro, the so. Um, and I put that video out on Valentine's Day of 2020. By 8 p.m. that night, it had a million views. Um, there were people around the world already recreating the dance using the sound. Uh, kids, college students. By the next morning, it had 5 million views, and there were like thousands of videos of people doing the dance all over the world, Mas like sports mascots, celebrities, famous internet people, uh, news anchors. They were doing the derivative woe dance, because like Adam they, had created all the other alternatives to the woe. So <laughs> no, they were doing, they were recreating my dance. They yeah, were taking you, yeah, so you would hear my voice and my sound, and then they would do the dance. Um, and it did like, I don't know, 20 million views, and then it got licensed by Fortnite. Um, and it's now an emote that you can buy on the game, and like your character can do my dance and you hear my voice and stuff. So that was the and that brought in like 
hundreds of thousands of followers and just kind of catapulted me on on TikTok. So like people could buy your dance for their avatar, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. So on on Fortnite, like if you want to celebrate after you like kill somebody or something, they have these things called emotes. And an emote is a dance or a little move or a little whatever. And they had licensed a couple kind of viral dances like Backpack Kid. Do you remember Backpack Kid? No. I did this thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. What's that called? The uh, noodle? The What is that called? That was, oh, God. That didn't have a name. Flossing? Flossing. Yes. 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 Flossing. Yes. You, oh my God! Amazing. We had some flossers uh, in our right house. On the I've, I've flossed. <laughs> so, you you know you yeah. know about flossing. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to so, say some lame shit like the Macarena, Jay, but you knew the <laughs> floss. <laughs> and yeah, and so then it it became one of the dances that they licensed, and and that just blew everything up. And I got paid for that. Yeah. yeah Every that was the time somebody one. buys it, or it was like a no, straight they license. they. they bought it out basically they right. a, a non-exclusive license basically in perpetuity um but it was the first money i ever made on social media so i was like great you know um and, and you're wearing the cardigan wow. i happened to be wearing this hand-me-down blue cardigan that i had never really worn before but it was kind of chilly in my house so i had put it on that morning and then just kept it on when i filmed the video not thinking much of it video blows up next video i make i'm like well i want people to know that was me <laughs> well wear the cardigan again where would you know and then i wore it again and then i wore it again and then i didn't wear it in one video and people in my comments like freaked out and they were like where's the cardigan and so i archived that video and i never made another video without the cardigan ever ever and and I've, you've taken but you've you've taken it to levels where other people like the Jonas brother people dance with you in the cardigan. Yes. It's your yeah. it's your thing. It's mm -hmm. your so yeah, yeah, like Jason Raz, Jessica Alba, um, Jonas Brothers, uh, uh, the, a, ton, a, a ton of celebrities have have donned cardigans with me. It's become sort of a a um, blue cardigan guy became like his own character you know i i grew up loving mr bean and peewee herman right. and all of these people and like uh, and i love cartoons so much and so it just became like a cartoon character i'm like oh okay like where's the same thing every day and it and it created a certain amount of separation between me and what i was doing on social media um where i felt okay to kind of look stupid be goofy not try and be cool you know it just became um sort well, of you, my my clown mask but you're almost when you have the blue cardigan on you're almost like a mime right like it, it's like you're buster keaton it's silent film stuff almost so that has been a sort of evolution over time i think i, I used to talk more in my videos but um and I always have had little bits, recurring bits, where I don't do any speaking. It's really just like reacting to things. And that has evolved. And, and I uh, intentionally kind of removed words from my videos.
because my videos are international and they go across the globe. And you look at my comments and you will see every language in my comment section. And it's because I'm trying, and it's the same thing with cartoons. You know, you don't need speaking in cartoons and I'm trying to make videos that can be enjoyed by literally everyone in the world. You know, children, grandmas, uh, people who don't speak English, people who do everything. Can yeah. you, oh, that was, okay. okay. So we always hear about this, these people who, who actually make money off these videos. Is that, is that something you do? It bought me the house that I'm sitting in right now. Can you explain how that works? Yeah. So, um, after that Fortnite, um, or after that dance went viral and then I, I did the Fortnite deal, um, I'll, I started getting a lot of followers. Uh, and when you start growing a big audience, brands start reaching out and brands are trying to access your audience through you. And so I started doing a bunch of brand deals, working with Amazon, working with Hulu, working with, uh, Toyota, working with Royal Caribbean and, and, and basically as seamlessly as possible, integrating these brands or products into my videos. Um, and but it's not a commercial. You, you kind of figure out like how to integrate them in your seamlessly. Thing. Like you, you it write has your to, own, you write know, your it has to feel like one of your videos. Right. Right. Uh, and yeah. so you would get into a Toyota or something that Toyota would be in the shot with you. Yeah, it, it, it really depends on, on what the campaign is, but, um, it's not, uh, dissimilar to, uh, like in movies product when placement. they do product play. Yeah. It's the same exact thing, right? You're still telling this story over here, but you just happen to have, right. you know, a feed water right here. And maybe in, in social media videos, it's like there is a, a focus on it a little bit, yeah. you know, where it's involved in the action of the video. And, and your fans and, and are fine with that. Oh yeah. Especially when it doesn't feel like a commercial. I think fans get upset when it's like, it feels like not, not what they're there for, not like the videos that they followed you for. So the people who do this job, the best are the people who really figure out ways to take the product and and or the brand and integrate it into the videos they already make and that their audience knows and loves already what's your turnaround time like the you you because they're edited i mean it's not just one take it's not like you're just putting yourself on film and, and taking a picture of you with the product like there's a kind of a beginning middle and end to each bit right and it plays absolutely 30 seconds so yeah. your turnaround time is you have an idea and if it works with the product, you make it and then you edit it yourself and put the music and the effects in and then crank it out like that day or is it? No. Like oh God, no, no. So I have like a, now I work with a team. I have a head of production. We get, we'll close a deal with a brand. Um, they'll send us a creative brief, right? Where they're basically saying what the messaging is, what, what they're trying to get across, what the product is, whatever it is and how how they'd like the you know what kind of video like for instance right now we're doing a couple holiday themed things right they want a christmas base so then we would submit a concept for approval and basically it's like a script yeah it's basically just like giving them the script of the video showing them the uh, the concept they might have some notes uh get it approved then we go into production 
we shoot it, we submit the draft for approval. They give notes. Hey, can we get a longer product shot? Hey, can, you know, that kind of thing. And then, wow. uh, then we settle on a go live date and then we go live. And then after that, a couple of weeks later, you send the analytics and all that stuff. See, so it's, it's, we, we were talking about the beginning of this podcast, like Adam's like, I do everything on my phone, uh, when we were logging on, trying to get this, yeah. and it was like, you can't have the production value seem to be too high because yeah. then you're, you're like not acknowledging the medium of how you started, right? Like it was it, it, spontaneous. I just took my phone out I, and shot this and yeah, you like want that. it to feel like. I mean, you guys scroll on Instagram or on TikTok, like you see the kind of stuff that goes viral. It is not generally highly produced content. And so you start, it's a subconscious thing, I think, with the audience. I don't think they're really like, they, they're aware of this, but when something looks too polished or it's shot on a DSLR and you've got, you know, the narrow depth of field, um, people like they they immediately feel like you're selling them something right you know you spend some money on this and you're i don't know what that's what, amazing what, what just happened <laughs> that's, that's so great <laughs> guys i love that when i say something profound fireworks just went out adam, <laughs> yeah, fireworks adam's dropping knowledge wow. <laughs> the fireworks went off in the background amazing wow. that's so sweet um, uh, so yeah, so I think there, it's a subconscious thing, but people feel like you're selling them something when the production value is too high. And so I think filming these videos on my phone, editing them on my phone, um, if I'm using green screen, it's okay if the green screen's a little janky, like that right. kind of thing. It, it, it adds to the charm and the, um, uh, organic feeling of the, of the content. And then some of the videos you created this, which is speaks to your point, your wife character that you play with the blonde. So we wig. were just talking about, yeah. But yeah. Before, before we started recording, we were talking about Austin Powers and how some actors could play multiple characters in a yeah. movie, and you just were like, "Oh, great! They've got such range." But you created like this. It's almost like a trope of a wife who's always upset with you, but it's you it, it winning is wearing a cardigan. Like <laughs> 100% just a, a take on like the sitcom wife who's always like, you know, like, uh, but she doesn't talk. Right. She doesn't talk. She, um, and nor do I anymore, but I used to talk and she still didn't talk when I, uh -huh. when I spoke. Um, and she's just all, um, very, she's just very expressive and gets the message across. Uh, you know, I watched, it's improving. I watched one where uh, it was about noise while you're sleeping and snoring. Yeah, do you snore? I do not snore, uh, uh, but my wife is a a pretty heavy sleeper, except when it comes to certain sounds. Yes. Yeah. And certain sounds wake her up. So that was sort of where that, that came from where like any, you know, there could be a bomb going off outside, right. but if like my phone did, she's like, you know, right. Right. That, that one spoke to me, um, <laughs> largely cause I suppose I'm a snorer, but also it, 
it, I feel like I'm constantly under the 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 like rough glare of my wife over any noise I make, and and so the yeah, and in your video, the building is collapsing and there's explosions, and she's like, and one little snore, and she's like, and yeah. I'm like, I get yeah. it exactly. There's that exactly. the way the the wife was invented was when I came out with that first video, the first viral video that dance. Somebody commented like, what does your wife think about what you're doing? <laughs> and so I responded to that comment with a video and you see the camera kind of walking up and my the door to my office is like slightly ajar and it, the camera just pokes in and you see me going, the flow, the crow, the no, and then it cuts around and it's me as my wife just <laughs> staring at me <laughs> and and everybody fell in love with my wife i created her own account she's got over two hundred thousand followers on her own account she's she's a, a star well i showed my kids when they were young the like my introduction to comedy for them was mr bean and it was all yeah. interstitials like each one is three or four minutes so he had a show based on what you're kind of the format that you're doing on instagram and tiktok where it would just be him at the beach trying to towel off after swimming. And and that yeah. was hilarious. Like he's shaking yeah. the sand out of the towel. He can't, he can't, you know, it was like, it's just, it's nothing, but it's clouding. It's hilarious. And you don't, and you don't, you don't care how he got there and you don't care where he's going afterwards. And it doesn't matter, you know, like I, and I, that to me, that car cartoony feeling where it's like, here's this character that, you know, that you like. And we'll just put him everywhere. Like there's a Mr. Bean skit where he's like meeting the queen. He's in like the line yeah. to meet the queen. And it's like, how, why yeah. is he there? No one knows. But like, but, but he's the, like slurping his soup, right? Or like, there's, <laughs> there's soup. but that's a comic strip, I think. Initially, yes. that started as like Dilbert, Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes. You, you didn't have to know where they were coming from or anything. You had six squares and it would, tell the story of these cartoon characters and you knew how they were going to react to anything happening and yeah. that's what people consumed in newspapers and now we do it on the internet and i'm trying i'm trying to get as i'm trying to like explore as much as possible so it's like blue cardigan guy is a chef blue cardigan guy is a construction worker blue cardigan guys you know on the subway and just seeing you know just plopping the character in these different situations around the world is is there because uh, you started as a like an actor as an eight year old like do you have like a desire to make a like a film or be in a television show as something you create on your own you know what I mean like is it is that yeah, like I, a goal just, of yours or I just sold a movie um, oh, okay good I yeah I sold a movie um, uh, about about a guy who gets very famous on social media um, and it ruins his life. Um, and uh, and I'm I'm uh, I we wrote it. Uh, I'm going to direct and star in it. And it is sort of a a look at this social media world. Um, it, it, it's him trying trying to get unfamous, and it's called Cancel Me. Um, <laughs> he no longer wants to. He no longer yeah. want what persona. is the rating gonna be 
it is going to be a PG thirteen movie, probably uh-huh. because because your yeah. audience is uh, some of them are under eighteen. Enough of them is that the idea? Yeah, and it's it's I I I don't. There are like touchy subjects in it, obviously, because yeah. he's trying to cancel himself. But it's um, but it is not like it, it's not very blue, right? You know, it's uh, it, it's it, I I really try and make sure that I'm I'm making stuff that everybody can enjoy yeah. for the most part. And where but you, you get know. to show yourself in it, right? So you have the persona that catches viral, and then you get to be a version of Adam who's just like yeah to blow yeah his this, life yeah and now i get to like again start to bring in what i've been doing my entire life with this whole social media yeah. world and start to combine those worlds what's he famous for so um god i don't want to give okay, too much that's away okay. but is it a version of what yeah. you do like is it a version of that it's it's way stupider okay okay, okay. it's way stupider so he, he gets famous for virtually nothing yeah okay. which, which happens a lot yeah um and uh believe me i can and, tell you this and, you as know. somebody who, who who slaves over writing and directing movies uh, we were watching and going what the fuck was going on that person that didn't do anything <laughs> yeah yeah no and i think that yeah no and and it really it's a i'm i really want to like hang a lantern on on that side of things where um we make people really famous for nothing and then um we we tear them down and we 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 have an addiction to doing that and it's really just showing the the world side of it and also the you know the inner workings on the social media side so though you know there's a lot of lampooning of uh influencer culture and internet um internet culture and well it's, fame. it's funny because you know occasionally i'll be at some party and an agent will be like have you met so-and-so and i'm like no and they're like well they they're like famous for this internet video and they've just moved out to la and i'm their agent and i'm like it's always my favorite moment because i know their end is so near when they've moved out yeah. to la and they're living in this fucking yeah. ridiculous and they're, they're like, I'm like, yeah. well, what do you do? And they're like, nothing, really. I mean, they never do anything. And you're like, this is fantastic. Right. This is just, um, and I, it, it shouldn't give me such joy, but it does. No, but I get it. I get it because <laughs> it is, it's, fr- it's frustrating to me also sometimes. Um, it's why I started making stuff on the internet because I lost two pilots in 2014, I think. I came very close to two pilots and they both went to Vine stars or one Vine star and one YouTube star. And I was like, Spite, you know, Spite is the best motivator. I just, I watched, I went and I watched her stuff and I was like, this, like, this is what did it. I'm like, I could do that. Uh-huh. And now you want me to do that? I'll do that. You know? That was also at a time where, like people didn't know how to market their product like studios didn't know. so if they hired someone who already had a following they would plug them into a show thinking oh i can capture that audience i've, I've already hey, got they that. still do that oh 100 percent. they still do that i mean when i'm when i'm making movies the suggestions for people who are not even actors but have two million followers i'm they're like you know it's, you know and, you're, and you look at it and you're like i could get two million people to 
know about this movie. Like it, it factors into That's casting right. decisions. Of course. And look, I always talk about the rock. I love the rock. Um, but the rock is the highest paid actor in the world. And it's not cause he's the best actor in the world. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. it's cause he's got 400 million people in his pocket at yeah. all times. And that is what er everybody's after attention, right? We are in an attention economy. And if, if you can capture people's attention, then you will have those opportunities. And for me as an actor who, again, was going like this for yeah. so long, I'm in very close to things guest stars series regular you know pop up in movies here and there and i'm like i'm like i know i got the goods i just need the the well, see, that's the different foundation to you, like back it up but you came at it like from a different angle then it's not like you were where you were in the world and then made a video and then decided to start telling stories and 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 be an right. actor and be narrative you were an actor first and then something you that's did right. became viral where most people are coming at it from the other way. Like they got viral and then they're trying to be an actor. And I see those people crash and burn constantly. And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm going to have both. You know what I mean? I'm going to have my chops as an actor and my classical training and my, all the Shakespeare that I took it up. And I'm going to go grow an audience so that I have people to market shows or movies that I'm in. And, that that to me was like okay if that's where where the world is going i'm not gonna like bitch about it i'm just gonna fucking beat them at their own game and can you when you create something uh a, a video a, a clip w what's been a time when you're like this is definitely gonna get uh, this is gonna catch fire and then it hasn't and then something that you've done that you just did on a lark goes and more people all get the time attention for it yeah. yeah it's happening all the time so it's always the stuff that i mean we're getting more intentional about it now we're so we at, at this point we have a really good idea of things that are going to do well and things that are done we're not always right about it but you you start to understand what works and what doesn't but for a long time it's like the thing you spend the most time on nobody gives a crap about and nothing and no one sees it and then the video you like just whipped out your phone and like said something to camera for five seconds and then you post that and that gets like a trillion views and you're like okay but what that does is it teaches you when you're making social media content um as a job you're like okay there is a bar to how much effort we can i'm willing to put in there's a bar down here too like i'm not going to put out some crappy video but i'm not gonna spend a week on a video um if, if if there's a chance it's just gonna like fall on deaf ears uh so that you start to figure out what that balance is and how much time you're willing to spend on something and what that return is going to look like uh it's and you can't guess it i mean it's no it, like moments that are captured on the street like somebody tripping or something become the most watched thing in the world where a studio can put 10 movie stars in it all as superheroes and no one will see that are you the yes. only writer on your uh platform movie your, yeah well i mean also but on your oh. on your videos so i have a a head of production and she sort of 
I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, we don't really think about it like writing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different process kind of. It is writing because we are figuring out what the beats of something well, are going to be. But and, you know, um, you're in a space and all of that stuff. So we are sometimes, um, I'm, you know, on Mondays we, we have our pitch day, right? So Mondays we both come in with ideas and we just hired one other person. So now there's three of us. And we come in with our ideas and those ideas consist of like relatable skits, right? Sort of like the, the wife not waking up thing or, uh, videos that I can react to slash videos that I can kind of stitch myself into right. and kind of put myself in the action. And, uh, we pitch those ideas. We kind of riff on them. How, okay. What if this happened? Or like, what if, you know, I just posted a video today and it was just the the idea started was just like i know i can do something to react to this dude with a bunch of face piercings coming in going what would you do if i broke into your house and so we started riffing on it and i was like what if i pull out a huge magnet like a cartoony looking magnet and just do that and and then you hear you know and that we're like that made us laugh okay cool and then my head of production she goes home and she makes this <laughs> it's a cartoon <laughs> I mean, that's like literally like an acme roadrunner magnet yeah. cartoon. <laughs> and 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 the, the more like the more we are intentional about the videos the more we get to play with those like cartoony tropes and and all of that stuff it's been it's been fun but you're in your apartment most of the time right like green screened or in your your house so this is my this is my studio um we converted the garage into a we tore down the garage and i built myself a studio here um i'm we're here 90 percent of the time unless we're filming on location somewhere so if i'm doing something with royal caribbean Toyota, um, any, anything he goes, experiential. Jay, he, goes on, he goes on cruises. I mean, what? In my, car, in, you know, I, it's it, in my cardigan. In the cardigan. In the blue cardigan. I mean, yeah. I fucking love it. I love it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's interesting it's, to me because, you know, when Broken Lizard was coming up, there were two comedy groups in New York City. Uh, us and the state uh, and eventually yeah. Upright Citizens Brigade came to town and, and did a theater but there were two of, two groups right and then in LA there was yeah. almost I don't think there was anything because everyone is trying to be yeah. an individualist stand up in Chicago there were like uh, improv groups but like we were yeah. like you know we were making these videos like oh everyone's like oh my god this is incredible and there was no internet to put them on you just had to come to our shows and we play the videos and I, you know, what we did right was we just fucking went out and did it and we put ourselves in them and people yeah. had to react to them. And, but there was so yeah. little competition that the studios are like, yeah, you guys just come on and make movies. Right. And, uh, no one else doing it. <laughs> yeah, no one else is doing the it. And then eventually <laughs> the internet comes and you guys have this competition with millions of people. And it's, uh, yeah. and but you know what? The truth is, is like, there's so many funny people out there, but very few people, surprisingly few people actually 
take do make it. the effort actually turn on their camera and make something and put it out there and let people judge them it it you we see it all of it right we see everything that gets out there yeah but the amount of friends peers uh you know people that are like you know will ask me or like pick my brain about social media but then never right. put anything out right it's staggering you know so they the people who actually do it and put it out there i'm like good for you even if it sucks well, like it requires way to go. taking a risk a social risk which is uh yeah you know like momentary humiliation when nobody watches it uh and which by the way i dealt with very like there was a good haze like right after we did Mary happy and i'm putting these videos out on the internet but i don't have a huge audience i was only really putting them out on tiktok because on instagram i had all these like industry people following me and like you know it's like where i felt that that's where i'm cool actor adam or whatever and like what am i gonna you know these videos where i'm wearing a wig i'm gonna like put these out on instagram like people are gonna think i'm going nuts yeah i'm adam are you okay you're wearing yeah. the same thing every day yeah. like is everything all right do we need to have an intervention but you do have to get over that hump of like i'm not making or posting these videos for those people right i'm doing it yeah. for everyone else everyone else in the world that's who that's for so there were definitely people who probably unfollowed me and they were like all right adam's fucking lost it yeah um but i had to keep reminding myself this is not for them it's for the the rest of the world and that's why i'm making these videos that's why i'm putting them out there i'm not i'm i'm not here to continue to prove to these people that i'm like cool or that i it's whatever. such a i i saw yeah. a i saw a friend do it she would post stuff and then all of a sudden she started posting in a way where i could tell she wasn't playing to her friends anymore because and it right. came across as narcissistic right like and i was totally turned off by what she was doing she was just so yeah. self-involved and oversharing and making everything seem really important and i'm like what the fuck like but this is what well, this is crazy that you would be that so self-involved ended up having getting a talk show wow wow because i mean that, look at the end of it, the day like you want to that's what you're watching so she started yeah playing you gotta be a little you have to be a, sh a little shameless you know what i mean it's the same way when you walk into an audition you gotta kind of like throw your ego at the door a little bit um or leave your ego at the door rather um you you can't you know you can't make silly videos on yeah. the internet and and hope that you're gonna come across like cool and like you know whatever like i'm a clown and that's okay like i'm i'm okay with that and if it's not and i know it's not for everybody and i know some people are like uh i'm good adam like uh, <laughs> you know so i got a message one time from this dude that i like barely knew i've hung out with him like a couple times at parties or whatever and he messaged me and he was like right when i started posting my videos on instagram and he was like hey man do you uh do you have a personal account I could follow? Cause uh not really into these blue cardigan guy videos. And I'm like, just unfollow me. Like, what are yeah, you I messaging me for? Years. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, but you you then start to realize, oh wow, that like he messaged me, but there are probably a bunch of other people who are feeling exactly the way he is and aren't messaging me. And 
you just have to go, that's okay. That's okay. It's not for them and that's okay. It, it's a dislocation. It's like you play to the audience in the room, like who you know, or do you play to a wider group of people who are buying into this thing that you're doing? And if you want to monetize it and make a career out of it, you should play to the biggest audience. You got to go for it. Absolutely. You got to go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And even so, you'll you even, you know, I, I tell people all the time about, about trying show business and moving. And I'm like, first of all, you got to move to LA. Uh, if you're just trying to be an actor, right? I mean, like that's your best yeah. chance. Uh, and I said, you know, you'll get out here and it'll be lonely for six months. And then most likely you'll probably fail. But right. if you don't come out here, you'll definitely fail. Or, you know, and I know that people make I, it in New York. I know, I know that. But, but you, you know, like the, the odds of failure are like most, it's mostly I, failure. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure it's the same with these internet videos. I'm sure there's a, like, you need to get seven views and you're like, God, what's wrong with me? Of course. <laughs> Most people who are successful on the internet made a hundred videos that nobody watched. I made 500 videos that nobody watched, you know, cause I was jumping genres and trying different things and experimenting. Um, but yeah, there you, you have in order to grow an audience, everybody starts at zero. And to try to get that momentum going, you know, yeah. takes a long time. Now I'm whatever it is, a decade into it. And, you know, last weekend I had two days in a row where I got over a hundred thousand followers on each day. And like, I, I could not have dreamed of numbers like that five years ago. And, but that it's, the amount of videos that I have made over that time that have flopped and no one cared about or who knows how many people unfollowed me or okay Adam's fucking lost it that you know you have to do that stuff if you want to get to this other other place and anybody that's gotten there and has sustained it for a long period of time not people who like go viral once and then like kind of fade away but anybody who has sustained a career on the internet for longer than a few, a couple of years is did had just had so many failures along the way. Uh, I don't mean to take it downbeat, but I remember another conversation we had when we were working together on set, and I you deal with a chronic health problem, and and you're vocal about it because you want to bring awareness to it, and. Yeah, I remember hearing about the ordeal of what you have to do. I think it's like on a regular basis. Let me see if I can. Let me health. see if I know what this is. Your you, liver cannot process yeah. lipids properly. You're not far off. Whoa, Jay, you did research. You never researched one guess, <laughs> and you had out. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. Who cares? <laughs> and it it has a very posh name. It almost sounds but like a piece of furniture. Goucher's it's disease. Goucher. Goucher's. Goucher's. Yeah. yeah. It, it's uh. It was a French a French scientist who discovered it. Mm -hmm. And what is um, it exactly? Jay thinks so he's it's a doctor because he comes from a medical. His family's got medical yeah, background. I do. Like, I do. Weighs in as an expert. Anytime <laughs> I help us, I, I haven't heard about my lipids in so long. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I have a, a disease called Gaucher's disease. I was born with it. Both my parents were carriers of the gene. They didn't have it, but when two carriers have a baby, one in four chance that they have a baby 
that has a disease, but it's super rare. It's called recessive genes. It's Mendel's Petri dish is the way you go. Recessive genes, Jay. Uh, Look, we're all doctors. All right. We're all doctors. Um, And so so, it manifested in you. It was, it's a genetic thing that, and then you got it. That's right. And so it's an enzyme deficiency. My body doesn't naturally produce a certain enzyme that's responsible for certain things. Side effects included, um, uh, I was short for my age. I had pretty bad complexion. My blood didn't clot very well. Um, my bones were not very dense and my spleen was 16 times its size. It was bigger than a basketball in my stomach. We found out about it when I was eight years old, when we went to like a new doctor because our insurance changed and we were just going for a checkup and he like touched my stomach and he was like, ah, you need to go get a CAT scan like right now. Um, And we found out how big my spleen was. My liver was also somewhat enlarged and did a bunch of tests. They thought I had leukemia and then they did a bone marrow test. And we found out that I have this very rare disease called Gaucher's disease that only 10,000 people in the world have. And they only make enough medicine for the people who have it. Uh, and it's incredibly expensive. And so, uh, and the way it's administered is through an infusion. So every, it used to be every two weeks, but now it's once a month, a nurse comes to my house, mixes the medicine and sets me up with an IV for a couple hours. And you sit there and um, get the medicine in, they cut, you, you have a drip for a couple yeah. hours in your own house is on your, the reg. Is your wow. spleen yeah. back to normal size or you still carry around the basketball? It's, um, it's, I think it's like four times its size now, but it's under my rib cage where it's supposed to be. So it's protected. Um, for a long while after we found out about it, um, they were really afraid it was going to pop. So I couldn't, um, do sports, wrestling, sleepaway camp, anything. It's why I started acting and dancing and singing and doing all that stuff because I could not participate in any of the things that people in my school were doing. So it kind of closed me in my room to like, you know, make faces in the mirror and watch movies and, and, and like sing and dance wow. to myself. Wow. Um, so, uh, we also do a thing on the show called uh, Vouching, Vouch Vault. I, I have a, an app called Vouch Vault, um, uh, which is we're calling sort of the Instagram of recommendations. It's just a way to get like recommendations from people you know instead of uh, Amazon or Yelp or people you don't know. Love it. Um, and Love it. So today I'm going to be vouching for this book. It's called. Three Releases, The Short Game System by Dan Grieve. Uh, and he is a... Um, it's a uh, golf book or a masturbation book? It's a, it's a good <laughs> idea. Uh, I, I could write the Three Release Masturbation book case. I, and I, I would have you do the foreword, of course. Um, uh, but yeah, it's... it's uh, Adam, I'm like a full-on golf addict. I... I uh, I'm in the throes of my fourth golf addiction. I've played 700 of the last 750 days, uh, which started with the pandemic, and then we were on strike. I'm just, I'm going to play today. I played yesterday, I played the day before, and the previous 80 days before that I played. So um, I take a day off every now and then and grumble about it. But this short game release, I found this guy on the internet. Uh, He's got like um, Instagram, a lot of followers, and he's like this British dude. And... uh, it's really good. If you want to know how to hit a short 
game golf ball. This guy is the guy. Uh, and you can find him on on, uh, on Instagram too. And it, you know, it was funny because I was watching him sitting in the sand trap, and some guy asked him a question, and he looks at the camera, and he goes, he goes, well, I can't do everything on the internet and no one will come see me to pay me but oh fuck it and then he does he shows the thing and you're like i knew it i knew because the thing about golf uh is that the teachers teach you only a little bit and there are all these other little secrets they don't teach you because they're trying to get you to come back and pay them uh uh, uh and, and, and anyway this book okay. this book tells all of dan Graves' secrets Love uh, it. that's amazing short game release uh so chapter three is like spitting in your own hand is that yeah yeah <laughs> both hands one does the balls one do, you know you gotta there's a lot more you know lube on the balls that i think people are not taking advantage of you could probably make a masturbation slash golf book and just be talking about clubs and balls and really cross no one knows what you're talking about you know <laughs> it's a great yeah. idea <laughs> It's a great idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. <laughs> the uh, book on masturbation thing... and golf, and it's just flip flop chapters, and you intersperse. And... We're going to teach you both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is where you grip the shaft. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, I yeah. love that we took it there. We have to take it there. Um, I uh, I'm into a uh, so cooking up a, a burger I, I mean, the, like a grill everyone grills and and you can do it but you don't get the same burger that you get at a, a fast food restaurant why like, why That's is right. the burger like it just is so much better when you pull through a drive-through and get it so i went on a little bit of a mission to try to create that burger at home for the kids like i want it smushed and um my friend who's a chef it was uh, again one of those things that came to you on instagram it's a griddle that you put on your stove top so you take a gas burning stove and you put this uh it's a it's about the size of you know your shoulders you put it onto the thing you have two gas burners under it and it makes a griddle like they'd have it mcdonald's, McDonald's or in and yeah. out burger and then you just i i salt a piece it's made by this company called made in I ordered it. It's like a hundred and something bucks. It's so exciting because you just take ground beef and I put a shitload of salt on it and I drop it on this griddle when it gets really hot. And then it came with this handle, which looks like an iron and you just, you just crush it down. Yeah. It takes three seconds and then you flip it over and you sit there for another minute and then you put it on a shitty bun and you've got a fast food burger really I, I i love it i yeah i started doing everything on it like when i'm doing omelets or uh making eggs in the morning i got the eggs on one side of it and then i'm grilling the vegetables and the meat on the other and wow. then i just mash it all together on one thing it's and people like pay thousands of dollars to have a griddle as part of their kitchen unit but you never use it because it's a pain in the ass to clean yeah but this thing's like a pan so we you just throw it in the sink you're not supposed to use any soap on it you just wipe it off because all that fat and butter and all that stuff makes the you're, next you're thing you seasoning it. Wow. That's right. you're, and you're supposed to season it before you use it for the first time who does that did. though come on i Let's did i did i put it in. i put a bunch you of did butter. it i did it because i was i put a bunch of butter and fat on it and i sat it in the oven you put it in the oven so it gets really hot and then all of that whatever drips into the porous part of the steel so I did season it. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> you committed. 
I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm going to vouch for something that uh, that is older, uh, but I'm just now enjoying it for the first time, which is the show Veep. I never watched Veep, and now we're like most of the way through it, and my God, that show is unbelievable. Um, you know, yes, the amount of of jokes that they pack into a a scene or a page of dialogue is unbelievable. And just everybody's so good and it's quick and it's fantastic. I'm friends with this guy. Matt Walsh on the, that's right. When Matt talked about it, yeah, he talked about the creation of that show. It's an amazing show. I'm friends with this guy. Who who are you friends with? Matt Walsh. He, 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 oh, he was in the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, Tony Hale, I'm also friends with from back in the Arrested Development days. They're um, so they are so great. Uh, they are so good. Yeah, you know that show is interesting because I remember when it came out. I'm like, it made me. There's something about um, improv television that makes me like like uncomfortable. Uh, and so I, I, I know, I know it's not. So I was worried. Oh, oh, oh I was going to say, how much of that is him? No. Well, when, when I was watching it, I was, because it was the way they used the camera. I was like, oh, I'm a little worried. Like, I, because I, I love Larry, Larry David's show, but occasionally I'm like, I get a little uncomfortable by the improv because I'm like, I don't know. Is it yeah. the perfect way to end it? Or, you know, and, and even though my favorite film of all time is Spinal Tap, like I'm, I'm very right. attracted to the improv, but I'm also kind of nervous about it. And so Veep, I avoided watching for a, for a yeah. long time. And then I finally talked to Tony Hale uh, at my tennis club. And he was, I said, how much, how much improv am I going to have to sit through? And he goes, none. He goes, we, we, we have a script, we go meet and we rehearse and we work it out. Then they rewrite it. Then we rehearse again. We work it out. Then they rewrite it. And then that's what we do. And I'm like, okay, now I can watch this show. And it's fucking great. It's so good. And they are, wor- they just, the way they work with each other it's just like it's like so musical and just spot on the whole way through um so i've been really enjoying that recently so they create (laughs) it they they rehearse it with improv and then they lock it down yeah and then shoot what they lock down so it has they have a script they improvise on top they rewrite it they improvise again they rewrite it and that's it um so good totally uh anything you want to plug Adam, before we stop, uh, no, no, go to you got to no. check oh, out. Actually, you know what? No, you got to check I'm, out your videos. Yeah, they can check out my videos, but I'm really excited about my um, I'm I I for my uh, 18 plus audience out there. I'm coming out with my only cardigans, um, which I'm really excited about. It's sort of like OnlyFans, but it's me, and I'm I've just got a cardigan on. And uh, if that's something you might be interested in, <laughs> um, you know, I'll have the link in my bio. What are your uh, handles uh, uh, for? It's real, real Adam Rose everywhere. Okay, real Adam Rose. Uh, real, Hayes, real Adam Rose. Hayes, you want to plug anything? Uh, no, I'm not plugging anything. Okay, I'm now gonna, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna plug my book. Uh, Christmas is coming. You want to hear all the stories of Broken Lizard, and if you order on jchandersaker.com, I'll draw a picture and I'll write whatever you want. Who wants a mustache? Write whatever you want. 
Well, that uh, was a hilarious start to this conversation because when we first logged on, uh, it looked like you were reading your own book, Jay. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. I don't read my own book. I don't watch my own movies, but I do. I have to sign the autograph. You know, I got to sign the fucking autograph. So yes, you're right. You're right. You're I'll right. plug. I'll plug a couple of things. The the movie I did is not coming out for a while. We'll talk about it later. But I will say it's the holiday season. Go watch Merry Happy Whatever. It holds up. It's a it does. fun ass it's, show. It's on Netflix, it's, right? It's on Netflix. Okay, great. Quick yeah. watch. Tis the season. Nice. That's right. Nice. That's right. It's perfect. Thanks, Adam. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. This was so much fun. Mustache Tales. Yeah!